Hey, it's your host, Mark Santiago. I'm excited to introduce you to the next level of this podcast, Empowered AF 2.0. 2.0. In this next stage of Empowered AF, we're going to dive deeper into what it means to be an empowered man in his most advanced form. I'm talking healthy communication, healthy lifestyle, both physically and emotionally, and evolving into the man you've always wanted to be. So stick around and join me in this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. Hey, so if you're in marriage counseling, you're trying everything to win your marriage back, you're just trying to figure stuff out and nothing seems to be working, you're doing probably the wrong thing. So that's why I created my five-day challenge for men just like you who are on the cusp of separation or divorce. You're trying to figure stuff out. You don't know what to do. So look, in this five-day challenge, I'm going to help you gain clarity on what you need to be doing. I'm going to help you understand the pain that you're in and what you need to be doing about it, how to fix that. All of this in five days for just five bucks. That's right. Five-day challenge five bucks. That's it. Get in. Do it now. Don't wait any longer. Get in right now. Do the work. It's easy. Every day you're going to get assignments. Every day you're going to get an action step to take so that you're moving forward and you're going to stop the paralysis that you're in right now where you don't know what to do. You're stuck. All that other stuff. It comes to an end today. Jump in right now. Five bucks. That's all it costs. Jump in today. Let's see on the other side. Yo, what's up, guys? Happy uh, Tuesday for those of you listening on Tuesday. And if you're not on Tuesday, well, happy whatever day it is that you're listening. Um, so today I wanted to address something in my rant um, that I hear about every now and again. And uh, that is this book, The Love Dare. So if you are in my Facebook group, um, uh, The Empowered Man, or if you in, if you listen to my podcast, more than likely there's a high chance that you're listening to me because you're going through a separation and divorce. Now, the, the if you don't know what The Love Dare is, The Love Dare is a book and a movie that came back came out back in uh, 2008, I believe, and it starred Kirk Cameron as a firefighter who basically the whole premise was never leave your partner behind, and he was doing that by looking at porn and and not being emotionally connected to his wife, and so you know his. I think his dad, I think it was his dad that, you know, gave him this love dare. And it was like 40 days of doing these acts of kindness to, to win his, his wife back. Now it, the premise of it was that basically she, she was tired of it and was ready to, you know, divorce him or, or I think she moved out if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And, and so they, you know, he goes through and does the love dare. And at the end of the movie, she comes back and their marriage is restored and everything's great. Um, you know, being a Christian, I, I, um, you know, I remember watching that movie and, you know, I was thinking, wow, it's so powerful and it's just amazing, you know, and he, you know, gave up porn and all these things and, and all that stuff is good, right? Like, so, so none of what I'm about to say is bad, uh, towards the book. Um, and, and, and I think the love there has its place, but what I, what I want to help you understand is that, that if you are doing things to get your wife back, if you are giving her flowers, if you are giving up addictions or behaviors or other things and you're not doing it for you, you're doing it wrong. Say it again. If you are giving up anything and you're not doing it for you, you're doing it for her, you're doing it wrong. Women see through that shit. They see right through the bullshit because they don't want you to give up stuff for them. They want you to give up stuff for you. They want you to stop doing those things for you, not for her. The reason she wants you to give up those things or the reason she doesn't want you to do those things is because it has everything to do with how you view yourself. 
and the respect you have and the value you have for yourself. Because if you don't value you, how can you value her? And if you value her more than you value you, you're doing it wrong. There's a problem. You must value and respect yourself more so that you can value and respect her. If you don't value and respect yourself, then every ounce of value and respect you have for her is not coming from a place of love. It's coming from a place of control and manipulation. We'll say that again. If you don't have value and respect for you, then every ounce of value and respect you have for her comes from a place of control and manipulation, comes from a place of fear, comes from a place of fear of abandonment, comes from a place of fear of, of being alone, uh, rejection, all those things. And so while I love the love dare, and I love the premise of the love dare, and I think it has its place probably 90, 95% of the guys in my group, in my, in my podcast, that you're, you're beyond the love dare. The love dare is meant for marriages where it's a bit rocky, where the couple is not communicating very well. And it's, it's a goal is to help the man become a servant again in his relationship. But I'm just going to be honest. It's marketing. It's hokey as fuck. And it's marketing. It's, it's, it's a book with ideas and theories that are not always the most practical, okay? Um, well, sure, giving her flowers or saying a prayer for her, like, those are good things. I, I have no problem with that. And I love I love those things. I, I, I'm a fan of pray for your wife. If, if, if you're a Christian or a believer, pray for your wife. Do that. That's fine. But that is that is only one part of the puzzle. The other part of the puzzle has to do with you doing the work on you. That means being honest, gut honest with your own shit and owning it. Some of you say, oh, I own my shit. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about like apologizing for two things you did wrong. I'm talking about lifestyle of ownership. If you haven't watched the series, Lifestyle of Ownership, go back to January, watch it. There's five episodes on lifestyle of ownership as a husband, as a father, as a producer, as a leader, all five of them are in there. You should go watch those and, and listen to what I'm saying. But you got to know this is that, that, a, that a, a love dare, a book is not going to save your marriage. It's just not. And if that book saved your marriage, was your marriage really that broken? Probably not. Probably not. And that's that's okay because that book is meant for marriages that are just a bit rocky, that are that have grown a little stale, that that don't have much passion anymore, right? That that's really what that that is about. Um, they weren't having major issues in there. They were, in, in, in my opinion, they were somewhat minor um, in the big scheme of things and the guys that I deal with and, and the issues that we deal with an empowered man. Um, they were not major issues um, in, in the big scheme of things. Um, and not to minimize porn usage or minimize the things that he was he was he was doing in there. But they were not major issues. They were they were kind of like underlying little things that that could lead to bigger issues. Um, and so I don't want to minimize that. But if you find yourself and you're like, man, I just got, let me, let me just go buy this love dare book and let me go try this thing. Or let me go try this coaching program that promises 80% of marriages get restored. Or let me try to do this because this will do those things. Look, what you're doing is looking for a magic bullet. And that magic bullet is not the thing you need. The magic bullet's inside of you. And that's you. That is you getting your shit together. That is you doing the work on you, the emotional healing work that you've got to do on you to learn how to communicate. Number one, to learn how to own your shit, number two, and to learn how to fucking lead again. Because if you're not doing those things, you're not going to win. It, it, forget about even saving your marriage. 
Forget about creating a new marriage. You can't do that if you're not doing those things. So that's my rant for you today. The book is good. I don't have a problem with the love dare, but if if you've come this far and you're and you're trying to work the love dare, or you or maybe you're going through it, a lot of guys have probably you know they could probably comment below and say, "Shit, I, I went through it and tried it and didn't didn't do anything," and, and it's true, and it's because it, it, while well, it has a good premise, it's marketing, it's for a movie, uh, it was meant to sell books, and there there wasn't there's not transformation in it. I am a transformation guy. I want to see men transformed into their most powerful versions of themselves, not dominant people but influential men in their relationships with their wives, where they influence through love and serving and they lead their wives through communication and boundaries and they own their shit and everything so that there's a, there's a culture of accountability and responsibility in a marriage. Think about that. How are you driving a culture of accountability and responsibility in your marriage? That's another topic for another day. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Empowered AF 2.0. I'm your host, Mark Santiago. <laughs> Didn't mean to rhyme, but I did. That's all right. Um, anyways, we're here in the next episode of what we're talking about. The last few weeks, we've been really riffing on some of the philosophical points of the object is the way or, or the, uh, you know, the obstacle is the way. The, the thing that's getting in our way is really the way. Um, you know, it could be your, your separation or divorce could be your, your marriage in general where it's just not healthy. And that thing that feels like is getting in the way might actually be the way you need to proceed. And it's philosophical in its, in its perspective. Um, some of this is, is from Marcus Aurelius and, um, and this book that Ryan Holiday wrote called The Objective is the Way, where he breaks down some of these ideas. And, and some of the ideas that he puts in there, you know, it's very, it's very focused on stoicism. Uh, Marcus Aurelius was a stoic. A stoic. Um, I'm somewhat a fan of stoicism i think it has its place um but then at the same time i also think that there's some things that that we can uh provide other aspects or other perspectives that make a little healthier of a balance because stoicism in its truest form is more logic and and, and everything is logic based and there's not room for emotion essentially um and so in confronting those emotions it's almost like being a robot and we don't want to be robots so i'm going to bring some balance and perspective to to the subject today and that's why we're talking about the, the idea that you, you just can't afford to panic you can't afford to panic if you're going through something with your wife um or just in general going through something at, at your job maybe you lost your job maybe um maybe your, your teenager is is acting up in a way that, that is starting to freak you out a little bit maybe they've come out as, as as gay or transgender or something like that or you know uh maybe something happened with your with your kids and it's it's potentially traumatic and you don't know the result of it. Um, I, I wanna put the idea out here that you can't afford to panic. You cannot afford to panic no matter what is coming at you. And really the reason for that is because panicking won't solve anything. Being afraid doesn't solve anything. And, I, and I'll walk through the ideas of this uh, from this high level standpoint of, of you can't afford it, but there's things that you can't afford and even though you don't think you can afford it, you can actually afford it. And so I'm going I'm to kind of break that down and uncover um, some of those things. So the obstacle of separation divorce is, is highly likely to make you emotional. The obstacle of your child coming out as gay or transgender is highly likely to make you emotional. Uh, the obstacle of you losing your job or losing your business or, or not making a sale is highly likely to, to make you emotional. But the only way to overcome that is by keeping those emotions in check. 
So when I say emotion is in check, what we're not saying is we totally dismiss the emotions, act like we don't have emotions. What we're talking about is, is holding on to something, but not allowing it to get in the way of what it is we want to accomplish and who it is that we want to become. Because remember, at the end of this journey, the whole empowered man journey is about becoming the man that we were always intended to be, right? It's, it's, it's not about um, that, that, I, that I get to a place and I become that man. It's that I'm constantly in process and that the journey is the way. The journey is who I need to be in the season I'm at. So in this season that you're at, this is where you need to be. And it's who do I need to show up as in this season? So if you're in the middle of a divorce, what kind of man do you need to be in the middle of a divorce? If you've moved on and maybe you're in another marriage or, or your marriage is reconciling, well, who, what man do you need to become in, in that arena, right? You think about, I'm, I'm going to kind of break this down from a like food analogy. Um, when I was growing up as a kid, my dad took me to McDonald's all the time um, and it affected my body in many ways. Obviously, it made me overweight um, and, and it created, uh, how do I say this, a, a bad palate, right? Um, because I was eating foods that were not only not healthy, but they wasn't, it wasn't real food. It was genetically modified food. It wasn't real. Um, but by doing that, I got used to it being that, that it tasted good to me. I became almost like addicted to the taste of McDonald's and, and the food. Um, and, you know, the, the other thing about McDonald's is not only does it like taste good and it's fattening, it's also cheap, right? Uh, it, it's cheap. It's inexpensive. It doesn't cost a whole lot. Now, maybe it does a little bit now because of, because of the inflation that we're in. But back in the day, I remember we could get a, you know, 49 cent cheeseburger on, I think it was Wednesdays or something. We, the football team and I would go load up on 49 cent cheeseburgers or I think it was 25 cent hamburgers uh, back when I was in high school. And it was cheap. It was easy. You know, you just go through the drive through Someone gives you a sack and it's got all this food in it. And it's great. Right. But there was a cost to that food. And that cost was who I became as a man in my body and in my taste buds, right? And how I, um, how, how I viewed food, how I, how I viewed it. It was, it was cheap. It was easy. It was fast. I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to prepare it. And so all of that started wiring my, my brain a certain way and creating habits and neural pathways in my mind about food and around food and, and all these things that, that were not healthy for me. And so when you, when you look at that, think about the difference between that type of lifestyle and somebody that, you know, eats fast food all the time and, and lives from that perspective versus someone who actually goes somewhere like Whole Foods or Sprouts and they buy real food. They buy not, not GMO food, right? No, no genetically modified stuff. They're buying real ingredients, organic, whatever. And they're, they're making that food at home. They're taking the time to prepare for it. I mean, you're talking about two totally different um, arenas here, right? One is the fast food. Um, it's cheap. It's fast. It's easy. And it tastes okay or it tastes good to some people. It used to taste good to me. Now it's like eating shit. It's disgusting to me now, right? Versus like whole foods, organic, like real from the ground, from the earth type food that tastes good, that is better for my body, Right? but it costs something. It costs something. This, this is the thing about panicking is that, that you can't afford to panic because panic costs something. When you panic, when you freak out, when you're afraid, when you're fearful, it costs you something. It can cost you time. It can cost you resources and money. 
It can cost you relationships, right? Because panicking doesn't solve the problem. Being overly emotional doesn't solve the problem. We get guys all the time that come on a call with us and they're, and they're just so emotional and they're just like, you know, suicidal in some cases. And I have deep empathy for them, right? I have, I have utmost empathy for, for men that are going through what they're going through. I lived it. And sometimes you might hear me and go, man, you're such an asshole in your heart. Yeah, I lived it. I needed somebody to, I, I wish I had somebody to tell me to get your ass off the ground and let's go. I didn't have that in my life. And so I'm, I'm there for, for many other men doing that same thing. But as you travail, as you travail, as you traverse through this and travail through this um, emotionally, you have to recognize that you cannot afford to panic because what it's costing you is all of these things. You know, panicking is cheap. Panicking is easy, right? I can cry. I can complain. I can go vent. I can hit the she button. You know, we have all these guys that come into our Facebook group or, or even on the podcast and commenting on YouTube, et cetera, just, just want to she everywhere. They just want to she all over the place because it's easy and it's cheap. It's cheap to talk about someone else. That's why they call it cheap talk or talking cheap, right? Talk is cheap because it doesn't accomplish anything. It's just saying something that is negative. It's releasing something in you that isn't healthy and it's not solving anything. So if you want to overcome the obstacle of separation and divorce, you cannot afford to panic. You just can't. You can't afford to panic. You can't afford to be emotional. What if you said out loud to yourself, you know, going through all of these things that you're going through and you felt the emotions and you felt what you're going through and you said, you know what? No, thank you. I cannot afford to panic. I want you to try that the next time that you're feeling overwhelmed, that you're feeling emotional, that you're feeling all, all the things that you're feeling and say, no, thank you. I cannot afford to panic. What that'll do is it'll start to shift your brain a little bit to go from a state of despair and a state of negativity to a state of, okay, if I can't afford to panic, what can I afford to do? Because the affording part is the investment that I have to make. The investment into peace and joy and love, the investment into faith and hope, right? The investment that I make, that, that I sow into things that are going to produce a return. Because remember, as a man, you are a producer. You produce these things. If you're panicking, you're producing panic. And when you produce panic, guess what you do? You produce panic into other people. You produce panic into your children. You produce panic into your, your, your relationships at, at work. You produce panic into your wife, right? Because you are panicking. You are then manipulating other people through your, essentially, your witchcraft. You're casting spells on people. Have you ever been around someone who's, who's, who comes to you and they're super emotional and they're just panicking? Oh, my gosh fire or whatever they just like just oh my gosh this is happening maybe maybe they saw something on tv and you know they're afraid of the war or whatever and it just it just kind of jumps on you and all of a sudden you start feeling panic yourself you're like oh my gosh that's spiritual it, it is literally a spiritual thing that happens and you transfer that panic to someone else so if you come in and you're with your kids and, and, and consciously and subconsciously, you're panicking all the time. You're, you're having panic attacks. You're, you're living from a place of fear and, and lack and, and, and the, the thought, the fear of abandonment and, and loss and all those things. You will replicate that into your children. You will reproduce that into your job. You will reproduce that into your wife because it's a spiritual law that, has, that happens. Right. So 
what, what happens all the, all the time is, is your wife will come to you and say, I have this thing, I have this feeling, I have this whatever, this thought. And her thought then triggers you to become negative and to go panic and to be emotional, right? So her thought, her thing triggered you, her offense created an offense inside of you. And that offense then becomes magnified at a whole different level. Why? Because you have undealt with trauma. You have things that you have not dealt with inside of yourself. We all have them. We all have them. The key is how aware are you of those things? How aware are you of that trauma that's being now triggered by the fears that you have? So there's no way we can change our situation. There's no way we can do anything productive if we are constantly panicking. If you're panicking, you're mad, you're sad, literally it's not going to change your situation. And if it can't change your situation, is the emotion of panic and fear and, and, and anger, is that a helpful emotion? No, of course not. Of course it's not helpful. It doesn't help you solve anything, right? Right? The, re the reason it doesn't help you solve anything is why? Is because it doesn't produce good fruit inside of you. It does not produce anything good to panic or to be in fear. But what if you said, I don't have the time, I don't have the ability, I can't afford to panic, but here's what I can afford to do. I can afford to love. I can afford to have faith. I can afford to hope. I can afford to move forward. Now, even though it costs you something more, you know, if we look back at the McDonald's analogy, you know, panicking is just like eating a McDonald's. It doesn't cost much. It's cheap. It's easy to panic. It's easy to panic, but it costs something to walk in faith, to walk in hope, to walk in love, to walk in something in, in a greater, deeper uh, emotion that is actually productive. Because if you walk in hope and faith and love, guess what you're doing? You're accessing something that's greater than you. You're accessing something from more of the positive realm, more of a heavenly realm, more of a greater realm than the negative internal realm that is, that is gross and, and, and toxic. Because that's what panic, that's what fear does. Fear is death versus accessing life. So you can either access fear and death or you can access life and promise and hope. Now, what I'm not saying is I'm not talking about living in kind of this esoteric reality of like, oh, everything's gonna be fine. My wife loves me, right? You know, you know she's, just, she's just, you know, whatever. Like that's ignorance. I'm not talking about ignorance. I'm not talking about false faith. I'm not talking about, you know, false hope, okay? What I'm talking about is understanding the reality of the situation, but then choosing to speak Choosing to act from a place of love, choosing to act from a place of strength and power and humility. Those are the things that we're talking about here. So if you're going through all that, I want to give you three quick, easy sort of steps that you can, that hopefully can help you move through this in this particular thing. And hopefully it's practical for you. If not, email me, admin, or no, support, support at empoweredman.co email us there and we'll try to get your questions answered. All right. The very first thing we've got to do is we've got to acknowledge the emotion we're feeling. If we're feeling overwhelmed, if we're feeling panicked, we need to slow down, slow down and acknowledge what is actually happening. The only way to do this is to literally be mindful or be aware of what you're feeling at any given moment. If you feel triggered, if you feel like you've got to yell, you feel like you got to cry, you feel like you got to do something, slam the door, right? 
those moments, those are the moments where we've got to, we got to catch ourselves. And the only way to catch yourself is to be intentional. Hey, the next time I'm feeling overwhelmed, the next time I'm feeling panicky, I'm going to catch myself. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to, I'm going to acknowledge, Hey, I feel fear right now. I feel fear right now, but I can't afford to panic. I feel overwhelmed right now, but I cannot afford to be panicking. I cannot afford to go and down the negative road. So I'm going to choose life. I'm going to choose faith. I'm going to choose hope. I'm going to choose love. You see how that works? I'm going to slow down. I'm going to figure out what I'm actually feeling right now. So it's like, man, I'm getting worked up. I'm feeling angry. I, I, hold on. I feel angry right now, but I cannot afford to panic because I've chosen ahead of time that I can't afford it because I know what it's going to do to me, even though it's cheap and easy, long-term, I cannot afford to panic because all panic is going to do is going to push my kids away. It's going to push my wife away. It's going to push my job away. It's going to push everything else away that I want. It's going to pull away or push away those things because I will be reproducing that into other people. So instead of reproducing that into other people, I am going to choose to say, I can't afford to panic, but what I can't afford to do is invest right now my time into peace, hope, love, faith, and joy, because that's where I want to live. I want to live in that place because that's the only place that's going to be healthy for me. So number one, I want to acknowledge the, the emotion that I'm feeling. Number two, I want to embrace the emotion, embrace the emotion. Now, in the moment, I may not have the time to embrace emotion. So that's why I said, okay, number one thing is I'm going to acknowledge, hey, I feel angry right now. I cannot afford to panic. I cannot afford to just be angry right now. So I'm not going to. So what I'm going to do is deal with this later. And when I go, I have to be intentional about dealing with this later. So let's say, for example, you're just going about your day and say you're having a conversation with your, your soon-to-be ex-wife or whatever, and you're in the midst of just stuff. And she's saying things and you're feeling that anger inside of you. You're feeling that, that panic. You're feeling that, that tension that, that's going on. You need to slow down and say to yourself, look, I can't afford to panic right here. I have to maintain my calm. I have to maintain this thing. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to acknowledge this first. And then later on, I'm going to embrace this emotion so I can deal with it and honor the emotion in my body. This is such a, it's like a weird thing because we are not accustomed to honoring emotions in our body because we don't want to deal with them. Especially as men, we go, that's a strange emotion. That's a, that's a whack emotion. I don't like that emotion because it makes me feel like a young little boy. It makes me feel scared. It makes me feel whatever. And instead of you know, dismissing it, we acknowledge it, we embrace it. And by embracing it, we honor it and we honor our body because your body doesn't lie. As what you feel in your body is not lying to you. It's telling you the truth. It's telling you, this is what I feel in this moment. And I'm not used to this. It makes me feel uncomfortable to feel like a little boy right now. But if I don't acknowledge it and I don't embrace it, I'm going to continue to shove something down that's not healthy. And I'm going to use other ways of dealing with it that are unhealthy. I'm going to go back to eating at McDonald's because it's cheaper and easier as opposed to going to Whole Foods, buying my food, making it home, investing the time it takes to do those things because I want to be healthy. So this is why it all comes back to who you see yourself to be. If you don't know who you want to be in this situation right now, and if you don't know the kind of man you want to become, there's no way for any of this to work for you. You might as well hang it up right now. 
Because if you're just looking for tips and tricks and all these things, none of that's going to get you the results that you really want. Because ultimately what you want is peace with your wife. You want to have your family back. But a lot of that is based on the, the reference that you know. And that reference that you know is at some point in your marriage, it was good, it was idolized, and you go, I want to go back to that idolized moment where everything was okay and everything was fine. But the reality is that that moment in time will never happen again. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't recreate something new with your wife. It doesn't mean that you can't have a new marriage with her. But even if you created something new with her, the moment that you create with her, the new moments you create with her will be completely different from the moments you had before. In fact, I would say they will be more real because you'll be accessing a different level of your own uh, character, a, a different level of your own empowerment, because you'll now be coming at it from a place of reality, not from fantasy. Because so many of you lived your marriage out of fantasy, thinking, wow, I had this great thing, but it really wasn't that great. And when you uncover it and you start to poke holes in it, you start to realize that that was fake, that that wasn't even real. And what becomes real is the thing that you start to build potentially with her or with someone else, where it's like, oh, this is what it's like to have something built that's real, that's sustainable, that's tangible, that I can love, that I can fall in love with at a deeper level and have deeper connection to because that's what I crave. And now that I know who I want to become and now I know who I want to show up as, I can walk into that place. So number one, acknowledge the emotion. Number two, embrace the emotion. And number three, move on. We have to move on. We cannot stay in the panic zone. We cannot stay in the anger zone. We cannot stay in the sad zone. We can't stay there. We must move on. Changing states easy. You ever, if, you have a, if you have a toddler, I, I have a toddler right now, a four-year-old, and you know she could be crying over something silly, like, I don't know, somebody took her book or whatever. And it takes me two seconds to distract her from that and get her focused on something over here for her to stop crying. And why is that? It's because the way we're wired as humans, it's changing her state. Her state of being was no longer focused on this negative thing. It was now focused on this positive thing. And it's literally that simple and that easy to move on. What happens is we distract ourselves instead of actually moving on. So we go, okay, well, let me eat this piece of cake then instead. Or let me, do, let me take this drink instead. Right? Or let me take this drug thing instead. So that's distracting us. It's not actually helping us move on. You can't actually move on until you've embraced it You've acknowledged it, embraced it, then you move on. So when you've embraced it, it's like, yes, I honor that emotion. I honor what I feel right now, but I'm choosing to move on and I'm choosing to move forward into this new identity of who I want to be. It literally, when you do this, you're, you're literally dialing in and harnessing all of that energy, harnessing all of that emotion into a place of action. This is why I'm big on, you guys hear me say this all the time, stop venting. Don't vent. Venting doesn't solve anything. All venting does is make you temporarily feel good. What if instead of venting, you took the anger, you took the, the emotions and the feelings, and you put it together into an action plan, and you created something with that action plan? We say, you know what? Instead of venting about this situation, I'm going to solve this situation. I'm going to acknowledge it hurts. I'm going to embrace the emotion that I feel, and now I'm going to move on into an action that actually gets me where I want to be. Guys, that can be you if you choose to be. If you choose that way, you will be so much more successful. That's what we do at Empowered Man. That's what we do in our Thrive Program, where we have guys that come in that are super emotional, 
Some of them are on the board uh, uh, of being suicidal and, and some are in therapy for some things. And, and some are super emotional because they're, they're sad. Their, their life has been shattered. And it's a, and it's a horrible thing that what you guys have been through, what I've been through, it's horrible, but that doesn't mean you have to stay there. Doing the work is so much bigger than just going to the gym and, and, and listening to some podcasts and reading some books. That's not doing the work. Doing the work is becoming the work. It's the transformational aspect. It is the taking the, the words and the knowledge and becoming that. Now, what you have to choose is how, how long do I want to take to get there? Because some of you, you can be in our world and you can listen to every podcast episode. You can read all the things that I've ever written and go, man, I'm doing the work. I'm showing up every, every week and I'm, I'm listening to Mark's podcast and I'm in the Facebook group and I'm helping guys answer the question. You're doing some aspect of the work, yes, but you're not really diving into the deeper work. The deeper work is what gets you to where you want to be 10 times, 100 times faster than you doing it on your own. You doing it on your own will get you there. It will totally get you there, potentially. More than likely, it'll get you there. More than likely, you'll figure stuff out. But it may take you five, 10 years to get you what you could possibly get in a much shorter period of time. I remember when I was getting started in uh, my last business and, you know, we were successful to a degree, but there were things that I was missing from my leadership and there was things I was missing from my marketing and my sales that, that I didn't really know and, and I didn't know how to figure out. And so I found some, some guys that, that knew how to do it and had figured it out at a high level. And while I was working with them, I started to invest in myself financially. I started to invest in what they were teaching. And instead of me taking five, 10 years to figure it out, I was able to figure it out in 90 days because they showed me the way. They showed me how to do it. And instead of me taking a year, two years, five years, 10 years to figure out that, I was able to quickly double what I was doing. And then when I started this business, I applied the same principles and was able to quickly scale and launch this company into the next level. Most businesses don't ever even hit the level of, uh, of financials that we've done or, or aren't nearly successful profitably as, as we are. And that's not to brag on us that we're great business people. It's more about the bragging of the coaching. It's more about bragging of taking the transformational aspects of what was taught to me. I didn't just read their stuff. I didn't just listen to their podcast. They have all those things. Knowledge is out there, but it was the coaching that transformed me into who I wanted to become. And some of you are sitting on the sidelines and you're just like reading the stuff. You're, you're listening to the podcast and, and you're just kind of hoping that if I do the work by myself, eventually I'll figure it out. I'll figure out what Mark's talking about, neutral woman and power triangle and some of these things and doing it on my own. I'll eventually get to where I want to go and you will, but it's going to take you a lot longer than if you would just come in, submit yourself and humble yourself. And that's the thing right there is because so many of you are so afraid to humble yourself, to humble yourself and, and really dig in because it comes from a place of humility. But, but the funny thing is, is that true power comes from humility. True power doesn't come from doing it on your own. True power comes from the humility of understanding. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm going to submit myself to another authority who can actually help me. And those of you with authority issues struggle with this because you dare, how dare you submit yourself to some other man and, and you judge me or you judge our, our content, or you judge our people because of your own issues and your own insecurities with authority. 
and you don't know how to submit to authority. Listen, every man is subject to authority. I am subject to authority. I'm subject to governmental authorities. I'm subject to the authority of my marriage. I'm subject to all kinds of authorities. I'm subject to a personal trainer. I, he, he is an authority to me in my training of my body, right? So I put myself under submission to that. And if I don't listen to him, I don't get the results that I want. If I don't put myself in submission to him, I don't become the man I want to become. But so many of you are doing it on your own and you can't afford to do that. You can't afford to panic. You can't afford to do this on your own. Sure, it's cheap. Sure, it's easy to do it on your own, but you cannot afford to do this on your own. You must take action. You must take action now. So I'm challenging you to do that. I'm challenging you to get on a call with one of our advisors. I'm challenging you to take the leap, to jump in with both feet in, to join the hundreds of other guys that are in right now in our program that are thriving in every dimension of life, that were panicking, that were sometimes suicidal, that were, that were scared, that were fearful, and they're now confident, they're powerful, and they're walking in a level of freedom they did not know existed. I'm challenging you to join those guys in our Thrive Program. Empoweredman.co slash book. Empoweredman.co slash book. I will see you in there. Have a great week. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. Join your host, M. Sizzle, J-Dub, and Mandrew as they sip on some bourbon and spit some truth. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. Man, I've only had one tattoo that aside from my thigh, I mean, I got three tattoos done in a day. And by the time I got to the final one, I just couldn't sit after the outline, my skin, when you spread anyone who's gotten tattoos will know when you spread the skin, it normally doesn't bleed. Mine was bleeding when you just barely started spreading it. And it's, it's almost out of integrity to tattoo over that because the person's going to be in pain and you're probably going to scar them rather than instead of the ink actually getting into the skin. But this time that the cat, the tattoo that's on the back of my calf, um, I'll tell this story to start the bourbon moment, if that's okay. This is a bourbon moment. We don't do free advertising here. So getting a tattoo, this is when I was a personal trainer for uh, 24 hour fitness. I'll give them a little bit of screen time because they've already filed bankruptcy once. <laughs> but with that, which was really smart because they, because they filed bankruptcy, they were able to get people out of contracts that were paying like $9 a year because they just started a new business. So that's fucking smart. And then they had a bunch of people resign on memberships. But this is when I was a trainer for 24 Hour Fitness and I had this amazing client who was like a sister to me. And while we were training... Um, both of her parents passed away and left her with a huge estate. This girl was getting tattoos all the time. A lot of the tattoos on my leg and like on my body, I got with her. There was never anything relationally. She was like literally like a sister, like she took care of me. And my assumption now that I'm older from losing two people, um, you kind of latch on to the people that are close to you as you go through that together. And this was before like my personal growth journey. I was an ad adolescent little punk, um, but she kind of gave me some insight. So I'm in uh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, first time I've ever, first and only time I've ever gone to Philly. And she tells me two days before, she's like, hey, I'm going to this tattoo convention for a week. Do you want to come with me? And I'm thinking like, oh, I have other clients. She's like, I'll tell you what, you can train me while we're going. 
I'll pay for your flight. I'll pay for you to come with me. I just don't want to go alone. So I go to my other clients. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to have you guys with this trainer this week. You're going to keep training. Um, I'm going to be gone for a week. So I go. And as we're on the way, the tattoo artist is on the plane and his name is Nico Hurtado. You can look him up. He's like huge. huge. You know who Nico Hurtado is. So he wasn't as big at this time, but if you were to Google this guy, like, dude, he, Kat Von D doesn't have anything on this guy. Like, he's huge. He does so he was tattooing her, and one of the guys in his crew had an open spot at this tattoo convention. And, like, when you have a spot and they're judging you, like, you need someone to tattoo. And it's most of the time you need someone that's been tattooed before, so that way they understand what they're getting into. So they start telling this to me as we're at the bar at the hotel and I'm just sitting there, like I've had a couple drinks and I'm like, yeah, free tattoo. Let's do it. And like, I told him an idea of what I wanted, this concept with the lighthouse and roses, because it, it symbolizes my grandmother because she was always like my guiding light and her and my mom have always been there in this static way for me. So I go to this tattoo convention. I'm walking around. I see people getting tattooed. I see people getting pierced. There's people hanging by their piercings. Like I witnessed some wild stuff. Like it was one of those conventions. And this guy, Nico Hurtado, like he's known to like win all of these tattoo conventions, him and his crew. Like he does amazing work. He's never had any type of show. Like he's literally all self-made and he does really good art. He actually came to mind when you mentioned your grizzly bear but I think he has like a year and a half to two years of a wait list just to get on his roster. That's not even to get a time, but he's talented. Um, he's an example of someone that does a lifetime touch up because of the type of work. Like he does such intricate work that he needs to touch it up. So I sit down to get tattooed and a couple of people ask me like, are you sure you want to do the back of your calf? I'm just like, I'm like, I'm an adolescent kid. And I'm like, dude, I've gotten three tattoos the first time I got tattooed. Like I'll Wait, just, when you say you're an adolescent kid, you weren't like 15, were you? No, I was like, dude, I was like 21, maybe okay. 22. So I was going to be clear for anybody listening that they're not thinking like yeah. 15 year old Joey is going out and getting tattoos. And this is nah. like his fourth tattoo at 15 started getting them at nine, you know, smoking <laughs> cigars and drinking whiskey with his dad at nine. Right. But no, that wasn't the case. Okay. Wasn't the case here. Wasn't the case here. Um, I mean, I could tell you a story about like at 10 years old, like firing a shotgun and then throwing a shotgun shell into the fire. No, no, let's, let's but stay on the with this. Story. So I'm 20, 21, 22, and I sit down to get this tattoo and I've got this leather wallet. I'm like, I'll be okay. They start doing the outline. It's kind of at the top of my calf and my opposite leg starts raising up every time he touches it. And I'm like, sorry, man, I can't, I can't stop. So he's like, look, he turns to me. This guy was kind of thug. Turns to me and he's like, look, man, I need you to keep your legs down or I'm going to strap you down. I am not losing this competition because you can't stay still. And I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So he straps my other leg down. At this point, I'm strapped down by like this freaking belt thing and it's tight. I can't move. I can't get away even if I want to. Dude, we're 30 minutes in and I'm chewing this piece of leather. I'm chewing through this leather at this point. It's painful, dude. Three hours later, we're done. Dude, the most painful experience of my life. I would never do it again. If I had to go back, I would choose any other place. 
but there was a ton of color. There were a lot of dark colors. So he kept on having to go through it. A second artist came in to tattoo me at the same time to finish it quicker. So now I have two, two needles in me, color needles, which are thicker, which are a little bit thicker to get this finished. And man, every time I look down at the tattoo, I'm proud of it because I think the guy got like a second place trophy. And now in retrospect, he's in prison. He went to prison about a year later. I don't know for what, but he's in prison now. I know that much, but man, it was a free tattoo, but the pain was not worth it. Thanks for joining us on the Bourbon Moment. This is your host, M. Sizzle. I've got Mandrew and I got J Dub. And we are out. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks again for joining us on this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. If you're new here, thanks for checking out this episode. And I encourage you to take a visit back to the first episodes in this podcast. Look, we have over 50 episodes on the foundations of how to be an empowered man. I'm talking about in your relationship with your wife, your kids, your work, your boss, whoever and whomever. And I highly suggest you take some time to listen and gain some insight and knowledge from those episodes. And hey, if you want to connect with me deeper, be sure to check out the Empowered Man group. That's empoweredman.co slash group empoweredman.co slash group for latest information and to join our group of other men who are wanting to be empowered just like you. Until then, this is Mark signing off, Empowered AF 2.0.